Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports. I'm here in uh, Boston, dreary, rainy Boston, uh, for Game 1 of the World Series. I know that uh, my friend and co-host, the great Jamal Murphy, is holding it down in New York City. Yeah, what's up, Bill? I'm holding it down uh, here in Manhattan. I'm a little sleep-deprived because of uh, I was up late night watching LeBron choke at the foul line, but... Um, you know. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say you up late with the baby. You like <laughs> not, not yet, not yet. That's what we got. Like, we got like a couple weeks to a month to go. <laughs> okay, you just practicing. <laughs> yeah, practicing exactly, exactly. But everything's good over here. Yeah, man. Here we have a have a have a special great friend of the program guest on the great Klein Phillips from the Daily News is co- coming to us live from Atlanta. Karai, what's happening, man? I'm just I'm just sitting here listening to y'all talk about my boy LeBron three games <laughs> into an 82 game season. Y'all ain't right. I know. Like, y'all, hey, y'all, well, no, y'all well, 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 cold blooded. Just just one of y'all. I you it know was, all I know all I know all I know is please explain yourself. All I know is uh, <laughs> Jordan would have hit one of those free throws. That's all I gotta say. It's like <laughs> what he It's like the fourth game of the season, Jamal. I know. I used to watch. I used to watch MJ in the first three games. He, he looked pretty good back then. Oh man, come on, man! <laughs> it's like this must be a slow day. It must be baseball. The end of baseball season. Nah, you know, I'm just, I'm just giving LeBron a hard time. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Yeah, but why? Well, we'll get into that later. Yes, uh, yes, we will. You know, um, but we do have something a lot to talk about. Uh, in fact, that's why Karan uh, is here. Uh, you know. Eagles, Eagles host Eagles playing uh, Carolina Panthers on on the road, hmm. and uh, our guy Eric Reed, man, you know he's not a captain, but he went for the pregame toss, <laughs> so, the pregame coin flip. So uninvited, get in, uh, in a uninvited guest, man. Uh, you know what, what's the name is uh, Malcolm Jenkins is there. I think it's going to be a nice little, you know, coin flip. And next thing he knows, <laughs> Eric Reed is there saying, "You MF man, you must. wow. What would y'all? What what's your take, man? I mean, I think that was pretty well, pretty good stuff. Well, what's, look, uh, Karan, what you what you guys think? Let me just set it up quickly in terms of the background here. So you had you had uh, Carolina right, right. Carolina Panthers, of course, uh, recently signed uh, Eric Reed, who was being blackballed in the first in the first half of, of the season. He should have been on a on a roster. Uh, at the beginning of the season, one of the better safeties in the game. But anyway, uh, the Carolina signed him a couple weeks ago. Obviously, uh, he had the falling out with, with the Players Coalition. So finally, Carolina plays the Eagles, and and Eric Reed has the chance to see Malcolm Jenkins again uh, face-to-face. Malcolm Jenkins, of course, the safety for the Eagles. And they meet pregame. So so I got I to gotta hear what you think about this Karen, uh, because you wrote a couple articles about this, uh, you know, way back, you know, a year or so ago when this all started. Yeah, and here's the funny thing: like last June, we did this piece. It was like my first big major feature story, uh, looking at the last year in player activism. Because you remember Car- Carmelo had that long Instagram post about when he really started to get active, right? And so, like, I, mm-hmm. I talked to Malcolm Jenkins on the phone for that piece, and and was talking to him, and really got off that conversation and really felt good about what NFL players are going to do and him being the leader and it felt all positive and warm inside and was like, okay, this brother is on it. And then a couple months later, he's like, nah, I'm taking my fist down because I took this money from the NFL. <laughs> and never mm. since that day, I have been like out here waving the flag. Like you guys, I under, I appreciate everything Malcolm Jenkins has done in meeting with, with you know with members of the government and sitting down with legislature and, and you know going to these things a day after a game or practice. I was like I'm never going to throw dirt on what this brother has done and the work he has done. But when it comes to this player coalition and this deal with the NFL, I was like something is fundamentally wrong about this and it feels like they pimped out Kaepernick's protest. And I've been saying this for a year, 
and people have told me I was I was too hard, I was too critical, that I was unfair. And now that Eric Reed is said, everyone's kind of like, oh, maybe Eric Reed's got a point. And I've been sitting here like I told y'all, <laughs> because right. when you think about what really happened, it was like, dude, you could have took the money, but why did you have to stop raising your fist? And for the simple fundamental reason why this beef is legit and why this beef is real. And I don't understand why people don't understand why it is so intense. If you and your boy are the first to kneel, mm-hmm. and you and your boy are the only ones who got blackballed, and mm-hmm. you and your boy are the only ones who lost money, mm-hmm. and this dude came in, hijacked it, and left y'all, oh, when I see you, it's going to be on site too. So I told him. Cl- clearly, clearly, they had not been texting and sending each other cards. I mean, this was clearly the first time. Yeah, you can tell this was the first time they had been around each other. And and shout out to, to, you know, uh, Jason Reed and Jim Trotter, their story. They were retweeting again, breaking it down that they had wrote a while back where they really broke down, like, you know, the text messages and even how Josh Norman got into it and tried to fly Eric Reed to where he was so they could fight. (laughs) And I'm like, Josh Norman, we ain't seen you cut a check to nobody. Uh, bend the knee or raise the fist. Like, where yeah. are you coming from? Last thing I seen Josh Norman do was get beat by some bum receivers who I can't remember their last name. <laughs> so you think about all the stuff that's happened in text messages and private messages and private combos for the last year, some change between players in the league, the coalition, and what Reed and Cap have had to go through on top of the fact that they have a collusion case against the NFL that's still going on right now. And these two men finally meet on the football field. I'm just surprised that it was as tame as it was because. Um, what, what, what did you think of? Um, what did you think of after the game? Of course, uh, uh, Eric doubled down and called and called uh, Malcolm a sellout. And then, of course, when everybody uh, went to Malcolm, you know, he played the race cards. Well, you know, I don't. I respect him, and I don't believe in. Uh, Crash other brothers. What did you think about that tactic? Um, you know, we we you know black folks shouldn't shouldn't talk about each other in public. One, I never I never thought it was a tactic. I thought they both were being true to who they really are. Like Eric Reed is who he's always been. <laughs> like we go back to him kneeling and his stance from the jump and why he decided to kneel with Cap. He has been who he is from the time that Malcolm Jenkins has. has Stood up to come up with the name for the Players Coalition and been the face of it. And the way you've seen him answer questions. And remember that a couple months back he had the card at his locker saying people aren't listening. There is a way that Malcolm Jenkins wants to go about this. And there is a way that Eric Reed wants to go about this. And how you operate as a person and the way you think and the way you go about things probably determines on whose side you are with this. But I, right. I, I I didn't think either of their comments were fake. I just thought that's just who they are. Like, they're two very different people, and they're two guys that go ahead and two totally different things. And now if Eric Reed would have came out and said the total opposite of what he did in the postgame, then I would have been like, wait, well, who are you? Are, are you the dude that wants to fight before pregame and then make up and, and say kind words after the game? But he, he kept that same energy, as the kids say. So I, you got to respect that. Yeah, I mean, here's what he said exactly. He said after after the game, at first he tried to. It, he he sounded like he didn't really want to talk about it, but it only took about uh, 30 seconds for him to uh, to like you said to speak his mind. And what he said was, "I believe Malcolm capitalized on the situation. He co-opted the movement that was started by Colin to get his organization funded. It's cowardly. He sold us out. So I mean, he, you know, he puts it out right there." My thing is, and, and I, I think I'm on, on Reed's side here. Well, I know I'm on Reed's side, but some of the reporting, and you mentioned some of the other articles that have been written on it, some of the reporting kind of points to, uh, you know, some pettiness maybe on the side of Eric Reed and, and Kaepernick want, wanting uh, to be the face of the movement. How, you know, how do you respond to that kind of criticism? Like, I don't understand that criticism. Um, and... And I agree with the fact that just because you start a movement doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the face of the movement. 
But if we started this movement and we still are the faces of this conversation because one of us still doesn't have a job, then yes, right. we need to be the face of this. Because if you're going to hijack my movement and you're going to say I should be the better leader, I can bring people together, I can get things done, well then I will only sign off on that if your, if your first thing on your to-do list is to get my job back. Right. And it has been totally clear to us that the Players Coalition did not really care about getting number seven back on the field. And that's where this issue stems from. Like, you, right. you took a loss. We weren't playing. We got blackball. We weren't getting checks. And y'all didn't care about us getting a job for that. Like, we took a knee for this oath to, to bring awareness to these overall issues, and we got punished for it. But now y'all want to slide in and keep the conversation going but didn't have to deal with none of the punishment? Nah, that's not going to fly with me. Mm-hmm. No, what, what, one of the things I was asking about was after the game, Malcolm Jenkins took what I guess in his estimation was the high road. Uh, he didn't right. say anything about me. He just said he's glad he's in the league. And I don't believe talking particularly for a black man. Now, he mm. played the race card. What do you guys think about that? Um, you know, he basically saying, oh, black people shouldn't dog each other uh, in public, even though we've been doing it since, you know, Booker T. Washington and Du Bois got into it in 1903. But what, what, did you, what did you think about that, about the whole black folks shouldn't be criticizing each other in public? I'm happy you said that and used that example <laughs> all the way back there. Because we saw it with... Uh, uh, black people were critical of Obama when he was in the White House and all of these things. And I get it. I understand why black people don't like it because of the way to it looks to other people. But I've always been of the mindset that no one is above critique and no one is above reproach. And sometimes, I'm not saying we need to do it all the time, sometimes as, as a person who rightfully does it for a living, that's why I didn't have a problem with Eric Reed doing this because – I had been writing about Michael Jenkins for the last year. Other people had been chiming in, and I remember there were some tweets or some comments about him uh, that he said in, in, in an article where he's like, I've been hearing the criticism. Yeah, you heard it. But when Eric Reed said it, you heard it in a different way. And I guarantee you, I don't know if he will ever admit it, since Sunday, I guarantee you Malcolm Jenkins has been thinking about his actions over the past year and a half and thinking if he is a sellout or not. And it's also easy for Jenkins to take the high road, right? He wasn't the one affected. He wasn't the one who, who got mm-hmm. blackballed. He wasn't, the, he, like you said earlier, he wasn't the one losing checks. So, of course, uh, Malcolm Jenkins, who's been playing the whole year, got money for his organization. He can, he can afford to take the high road. He's chilling, really, com- mm-hmm. uh, compared to Eric Reed or Kaepernick. And that's that's part of the problem. That And I, that's where I get the anger that Reed or Kaepernick would have. I mean, basically, I mean, Sharpton said, uh, Al Sharpton said as much uh, back, you know, a year ago when he was trying to put together some sort of uh, protest. And he said, there's not much, you know, how much can we really be expected to do when these players are willing to sacrifice one, you know, one of their own. So they were willing to sacrifice Kaepernick. They were willing to sacrifice uh, uh, Eric Reed while, while they continued to play and they, and they actually got some money for their foundation. So, I understand. I completely understand the anger that Reed has, and he definitely was angry. There's no question about that. And it's not yeah. even so much that they had they didn't understand the sacrifice because it's not as like Colin Kaepernick was just like some dude who was good in the league. Like this dude was one of the faces of the league. This dude was on the cover of Madden. Like this dude had Super Bowl commercials. Like he was that guy. And we saw the NFL blackball someone who was that guy. He wasn't just a role player on a good team or, or a guy who was on, on a pro ball team or somebody you wanted on, on your fantasy team. Like, he was the face of the league for a while. So if they can do it to him, they could definitely do it to you. And it was like they were willing to make him the sacrificial lamb. And if you think about people are you going to make the sacrificial lamb, you never really let that happen to someone who's been the guy. But they did. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, listen, uh, guys, I, as I told you, I'm here in Boston at Game 1 of the World Series, so I've got to go down and uh, start doing some interviews, playing interviews. But I want you to keep up the conversation. Uh, Ron, always a pleasure, man. It was great seeing you uh, at NABJ. 
uh, love your work, um, and, um, you know, look forward to connecting more and having you on more. Always, man. Thank you. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible has over 180,000 book titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For you, the listeners of the Bill Roden on Sports podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. We highly recommend that you check out the classic $40 Million Slaves, The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of the Black Athlete by the one and only William C. Roden. An absolute must-read. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports for your free audiobook. Just to wrap up this this part of the conversation, um, where do you see, you know, what kind of what is it? What does it all mean? You know, they had their confrontation. Uh, I guess Eric Reed at least got his got his feelings out there to the public. Where where do we go from here? Uh, as far as the players' coalition, you you mentioned before you think Jenkins will think about uh, what Reed had to say. Where where does this go from here, if anywhere? I'm interested to see if it does, uh, because while I think Jenkins might have take, taken some time to do some self analysis, I don't I don't see that guy changing. I, I I think Malcolm Jenkins is who he is. Now, while I might not agree with a lot of things he's done, I think that that's a grown man who knows who what he is and what he isn't. Right. Eric, and Eric Reed is, is is who he is, and we we've seen who he is. Um, and Sunday showed us like he's a guy that means what he says. And when people mean what they say, you may not agree with what they say. You may not agree with what they mean. But there's a part of you that has to respect it. Um, and so my respect was already high for Eric Reed, but it just went through the roof on Sunday. Um, now some people might think that it was just an ugly situation to see two black men you're in to fight on the football field. But I was like, one, this is football. Uh, right. You hit people and hurt people for a living. Right. Um, so let's not, let's not take this too far. Uh, but uh, listen, sometimes physical confrontation is needed, okay? I'm a person that believes that, you know, hey, some, sometimes you got to cut some people out. Sometimes you got to have some harsh words and, and for some progress to begin. Um, hopefully that's what will happen after this. But will I be shocked if it doesn't? No, because listen, once again, I was there at the players. Uh, I mean, at the owners' meeting when they came out with that anthem policy that quickly went away a few months later, and that's what I would never get over is that Malcolm Jenkins, you took this eighty-nine million dollars from these owners and put your fist down for that money, and then they played you, and what six, seven months later, they came out and was like, boom we got this new policy that's going to shut y'all up for good even more. And you fell for it. Also, also you mentioned the $89 million. Yeah. And, and when it happened, you know, it was all by, it wasn't, it wasn't concrete. It was like, uh, you know, it's a tentative deal. What, what is, do we even know what has mm-hmm. happened? Have they gotten that money? Has, has money gone anywhere that we know of? I don't know. And that's the thing. Like who I know a couple of groups have supposed to have been designated to receive the money, but <laughs> United I Negro College Fund, I think, was one of them. Writing about some, yeah, I haven't heard. I've seen a press release from the UNCF saying we got our money. Appreciate okay. it. Okay. Like, okay. I haven't seen any pay stubs, any wire transfers. You know, Adrian Wojnarowski hasn't tweeted any breaking news <laughs> about this. No, like, no Woj bombs. I don't know. Yeah, no Woj bomb. Like, does anybody really even know? I mean, have they set up some guidelines and maybe they have like a pay list and a calendar that saying who's going to get what, when, who knows? I'm not saying this doesn't exist, but the fact that it doesn't happen yet really just makes you, when you poke your ears up even more and be like, okay, what was this all for? Right. We're still, I mean, and still, that still doesn't have a job. No, exactly. While we're watching black Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. And as Bomani and I like to say, the Peter Man up in Buffalo, <laughs> like in Derek Anderson, like all well, of these horrible QBs. I was at Monday Night Football last night for right. the Falcons Giants game. I know. I know. Eli Manning yep. was on the, one of the worst performances I've ever seen in my life, and still threw for 399 yards right. because he threw 48 checkdowns. <laughs> you think Paul Barkley? Right. Well, you you just you just provided the perfect segue. We got a. Um, 
we're doing a uh, a segment uh, on Kaepernick until he gets a job, and, and it's called Cap So Blackball. Okay, so where we take a look at all the the quarterbacks who he should be playing instead of on all these on all these but teams, wait, wait, and, we, and we check I, out how he did. Is this going to be an eternal segment because he's never going to get a job? It might. It so might. Like, I got to keep this going forever. It must. It, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's only right. You know, because it'll at least keep going until he gets to an age where we feel like he probably can't play anymore. How about that? Okay, gotcha. <laughs> we'll okay, do, we'll okay. do it like that. But let's look at let's look at uh, you know what guys around the some guys around the league are doing uh, who shouldn't who who Kaepernick should be playing instead of. We'll start in Arizona. Uh, Josh Rosen. I know he's a, a rookie, and, and teams like to start over with rookies. But if a guy is not ready, he's not ready. He didn't have a greatest the greatest performance I like, I uh, like, Thursday. I like Rosen, but he was. I like Rosen but, in Arizona. But, I think that 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 offensive coordinator <laughs> and, and that their offensive talent is a bigger issue. And then when you throw in a rookie quarterback, well, I, I like um, you know I like I like making I like so I like Rosen's talent too. But like I said, I mean you you know a lot of times if a if a guy's not ready or the team's not ready, you have a you have a veteran that comes in there. And 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 hold you know holds it down for a, for a year or so or at least ten games. Uh, they could have done that. I mean uh, Thursday night against Denver, he was twenty one for thirty nine, hundred ninety four yards, one TD, three interceptions. I think two of them were pick sixes. So you're saying <laughs> so you're saying they wanted you, you were in Arizona. You wanted them to have like a Tyrod Taylor Baker Mayfield situation. Right, rather but, than just throwing yeah, rather, Rosen in there as they did. Right, and I th- and I think Baker Mayfield's probably more ready than Rosen. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, listen, I, I'm, I've been I've been on the Baker Mayfield bandwagon for for a while now, and even back when he was at Oklahoma. So I we I always knew Tyrod Taylor was just yeah. even in his last days the starting starting quarterback there. But yeah, I understand. But I'm also a guy that's always feel like even if it's a big time college program or if you're in the NFL, if you got a freshman or you got a rookie that's talented right. who you think could potentially be your franchise player, look, just throw him in the frying pan and and and, and he's either gonna sink or swim and let him get his bumps out the way early. No, I hear you. I hear you. Well what guy that you did mention is uh Derek Anderson. Uh, and yes, that's the same Derek oh, Anderson who's Lord. been who's been in the league forever. I don't I don't think he ever uh led a team to a Super Bowl, did he? Nope, nope, nope. You never know. He's been around so long. I, I can't remember. I, I don't think that happened. But uh, he didn't play too well on Sunday uh, for Buffalo. 20 of 31, 175 yards, no TDs, three interceptions. They lost 37 to 5 at Indy. I think. Uh, it's Buffalo, though. Yeah. Like, I mean. When you got cat retired at halftime, no question. And, hey, and in all honesty, I would I would not want Kaepernick to go to Buffalo. Like you're, you're setting him up to fail. But no, I'm just I just got I just got to point it out there. though. Listen, I I wrote that column about Vontae Davis, and Buffalo fans are still mad at me. And I'm like, at some point, you got to realize, guys, that it wasn't. I don't really think it was Vontae Davis' fault. If you're in a situation that bad to where you got to retire at halftime, and we've seen how that franchise has done the last season and a half at the quarterback situation. Yeah. Look, man, I, 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 I'm tired of halftime too. I agree with you. And I've been afraid to, to admit that too. I, you know, to me, it was a funny story and it made, like you said, it made sense. I mean, if there's, if there's ever a time to retire at halftime, it's, it was that, I mean, what, weren't they down? Like what was the score at halftime that game? It was like 28, nothing, something like that. It was ridiculous. And listen, the funniest part of the whole situation that no one really realized is you remember later that day he came out with that picture of himself in that public statement (laughs) um, saying why he did what he did. If you pay attention, he didn't even have a Bills uniform on in that picture. (laughs) He used the picture when he was with the Colts. That's how bad he didn't want to be affiliated with the Buffalo Bills. Wow. Yeah, so you know, you gotta let a man, you know, you gotta let him do what he had to do. I'm sure as long as he feels good about himself, I think that's the most important thing. I think uh, we, we gotta let that slide. In fact, if he wants to come back, you know, I don't think he should be he should be blackballed either by uh, by other players who are mad that he quit at halftime. I think other players should understand that he he played for Buffalo. He was a starting quarterback cornerback in the league. If Vontae Davis wants to come back next season as a free agent, I guarantee you he won't be on the waivers for too long. I hear you. 
All right, the other guy you mentioned, Blake Bortles. You think it's time? It's time for uh, for Jacksonville to make that move? I mean, hypothetically, like you said, it's, it's unlikely. To I don't understand why it was ever time that he was ever in uniform. <laughs> like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. And as as one of the few black New England Patriots fans on the planet, <laughs> when, when they beat us earlier this season and everybody was high on the Blake Bortles, you know, bandwagon, I was always just like, okay, just wait and see if he keeps this up. Now they're trying to run him out the league, which I think is just hilarious, um, seeing how both of those teams have flip-flopped since that, first, since that, since that game earlier this season, um, which I thought was always going to happen. Uh, Jacksonville got too cocky way too early, um, and we knew New England was banged up and was out one of their best playmakers. Um, and, and, you know, historically, New England has gotten off to a slow start, then they get rolling. Right. And, you know, Jacksonville, listen, I, as, a, as a person who people call cocky, I don't have a problem <laughs> with cocky people. I have, I have a problem when cocky people don't deliver. Right. And Jacksonville hasn't delivered or has a resume that, that's full of, of, of proof of them delivering. That's the issue. And they actually benched Bortles, uh, you know, on Sunday after he threw, you know, he completed six of 12 passes for 61 yards. They put in a guy named Cody Kessler, who I, I'm not even sure I heard of the dude. Yeah, and Doug Marone said that Blake Bertles was pissed. Um, oh, and I was like, I don't know why. Right. <laughs> like, everyone knows you suck. Right. <laughs> what are you upset about? You know, so, you know sometimes. <laughs> you God, know how bad you are. Maybe not. Maybe he's in denial, you know. It's the, it's the, it's the <laughs> offensive coordinator. Hey, what they say in football? What they say in football, the tape don't lie. I hear that. What about what about Brock Osweiler in Minnesota? Not Minnesota, Miami. Sorry. He's he's getting another chance because he fits the mold. He looks like a quarterback. He's like seven feet tall. Right. Um, Cla- he's got classic movie star look. And yeah, yeah. He listen. <laughs> he's got a he's got a quarterback name. Right. Brock. Um, so, you know, guys like that, uh, yeah, Brock Eiswiler. Like, he just sounds like a quarterback. And so, you know, guys like that always are always going to stick around the league because uh, they're probably good locker room guys. They know the playbook. But, I mean, you have them there, kind of like a Ryan Fitzpatrick. They can give you two or three games where they might be good, but I'm not trying to have them play more than that. So, I'm not surprised that, that Brock Eiswiler did well. Right. Filling in for Tannehill, right? But I'm not expecting this to last too much longer. Right? Yeah, you know he did well, like you said, 22 or 31, two touchdowns. But they lost to Detroit. They lost at home to Detroit. Um, but we we saw this from Brock Osweiler last year. He started off pretty pretty good. He, uh, he had his first two games, I think, for Denver last year. He played pretty well, and then he fell off the map. So we we shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, remember, he was supposed to be like the savior in Denver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he first got there. Yeah, they, they've had a few saviors. Um. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it listen, <laughs> John Elway's ability to uh, draft quarterbacks has been uh, very interesting over the past couple seasons. Let's go to uh, San Francisco, uh, Kaepernick's last last team, and uh, now they have they have C.J. Beathard. Um. Not doing too well either. He was 15 and 27, a touchdown, two interceptions. I know he's had a couple of good games, uh, but I don't. I think uh, if Kaepernick was in that locker room, he'd be starting there too. I wrote a column about Kaepernick last year, comparing like some stuff from when he was there and who was there now, before they got Jimmy G, and before Brian Hoy. When Brian Hoy was, was first got benched, and before they sent him to New England, and Beathard had been the quarterback. And I was sitting there looking on the 49ers page at his stats. And I was like, what is a CJ Beathard? <laughs> and then I spent like the next 20 minutes Googling his life because I had no idea who CJ Beathard was or what a CJ Beathard was. Cause I had never heard of one. That's how bad the quarterback situation was in San Francisco. I was like, how can you go from a guy to two, two years ago that was one of the faces to a league to a dude who, I had never even heard of, but he had played college ball at South Carolina, and I live in Atlanta, and that's a state away. Did he start? That's how bad it's been in San Francisco. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty bad. And then the last but not least, you brought, you brought him up to You were at the game last night. Like you said, he had 42 checkdowns. Oh, but Eli Manning. Oh, it, it, was, it might have been on. 67. It was, oh, my God. Come on, man. Eli Manning. He did throw for, what, 398 yards? 
399 had a touchdown uh no interceptions but but his thing is he i mean it's just sad watching him there cuz he cannot move he was sacked four times and it's like you know to like i said i, I was saying this on twitter it's, it's one of the saddest things in one of the saddest things in sports is a pass rush on Eli Manning cuz it's just it's like it's like it's not even the pass rush and and it was something that why I knew how bad it was watching it live, you, you, you see, especially from the press box from the top, like the offensive line is terrible. Like right. we know that. No question. We know Eli can't move. He never could. We know he throws the checks down. It's not even that. But last night I vividly saw why Odell Beckham Jr. like throws tantrums. And these are like rightful tantrums. There was a play last night. I believe it was in third. It was in the third or the fourth, where it was a swing pass to Saquon Barkley out the backfield. Beckham ran a slant. He was open, and this isn't even the one that they missed him on. That if he throws it to, he would have scored. Or the one earlier in the game where he overthrew him and he would have scored. This was just like a second or third down play where he could have picked up a quick, easy six to ten yards. From the time Eli Manning said hike, his head turned to the right and he stared down Barkley the whole time and threw the swing pass. And he didn't even give a glimpse to any other receiver on the field to see if they possibly could have been open. Like, that is the kind of stuff that drives Giants fans crazy. And as you saw Pat Shermer last night on the telecast <laughs> yell at him, it's because he's predicating where he's going to the ball, and that's not something you expect a veteran quarterback with two Super Bowl rings to still be doing in his career. When you have number 13 on your team because if you go back and watch that the touchdown that Beckham did score at the end right I still don't understand how he got his feet in bounds on that play great player because the reaction in the press box was just like how how did he do that because there's no way in the world he should have got both toes down but he did it with ease and he just ran off the field like it was a normal catch like he has one of the most physically gifted receivers we have ever seen and he's just out there just wasting away. Yeah, and you know, and I, and I get it. Like a lot of people will point to the offensive line and use as a as a full blown excuse for Eli. And maybe maybe that's true. But I, you know, you got to take you got to take some shots down the field. And I remember Eli in his prime. He was the type just to close his eyes and throw it deep. I mean, he was one of the luckiest quarterbacks I've yeah. ever seen. And he's not even doing that anymore. And he has better weapons than he ever had. Oh, that listen, they. Russell Shepard and Odell Beckham would, would would go crazy if he just closed his eyes <laughs> and chucked it three times again. Exactly. Because they were just At like, least. okay, I got a shot. Right, right. And both of those guys had over 100 receiving yards last night. They both had really good games. Right. But a lot of their yards is yak yards because he just won't chuck it. Right. And then at some point when you've got guys that can do what they do, you just got to throw it up there a couple times a game and just let them try to go get it. Because there were plenty of times last night where I remember just yelling in the press box, the single coverage, there's no safety help over there. There's no safety help over there. Single high safety, there's no safety help over there. Just throw it up there to them. Nope, check down. Saquon Barkley, six yards. And it was just like, this is pathetic. I hear you. So, you know, I'm going to leave uh... – it's very sad. We'll, we'll, on that sad note, I'll leave football alone for now. We'll go to <laughs> we'll go to a real sport that seems to be taking over right now. Uh, the NBA, the NBA season has just started. Um, I, honestly, I've never, I haven't been this excited uh, for an NBA season in a long time. And I'm a, I'm a huge basketball fan, huge NBA fan, so I'm always somewhat excited. But this year, you know, like I said, I was legit up in the last few nights, late night, watching games on the West Coast. Uh, like I said in the beginning of the show, I did, you know, I, I was up late watching LeBron miss those those two free throws. Yeah, he actually came to play uh, last night, unlike the first two games. Um, but I, I sense I sense in your reaction that, that you're not overreacting to 0-3. It's all good, right? 
And I, I, I just like, cause we've been here so many <laughs> times. Like, like, like I, I, I have a long memory when it comes to this stuff. Right. Like we forget that the heat in that first year, what did they start that year? A 10 and 12. Right. Or worse. And it wasn't even like an average 10 and 12. Like it was a bad 10 and 12. Right. They looked terrible in their first 2025 game. Right. They look lost. You remember when he came back to Cleveland and the comments of with Kyrie, when Kyrie didn't have any assists and he just sat in the corner that one game in Utah and let Kyrie and Deion Waiters just take shots and go ISO because it had got so bad. And he was like, I'm here to break bad habits. And then they got rid of Deion Waiters and him and Kyrie had to get on the same page. Kevin Love didn't know what to do. Right. Um, but then we looked up, and he made it to the finals without Kyrie and Kevin Love because they both were hurt and was up 2-1 on, on the Warriors. So that's an early season. I'm never worried about LeBron or any team he's on. And even though while those teams he had studs with him, he had right. two all-stars in Kyrie right. and Kevin Love. And in Miami, it was a Pat Riley infrastructure, and you had Bosh, and you had Wade, and you knew if they are going to figure it out. This team is young, and we don't know what they're going to do, but we do know that you want Brandon Ingram to have your back because he will throw <laughs> those hands. <laughs> but at some point, they're going to figure it out because LeBron James is, is a genius at basketball, and Luke Walton is really, really smart and understands basketball. But this is a team who has a lot of young talent, who doesn't necessarily know how to win in the league or what to do in certain situations or where they're going to get their shots or their defense is supposed to be. And I think LeBron has to get used to playing in a system where he's not going to have the ball in his hands the most. Like, he's got Rondo and Lonzo Ball. Brandon Eager can bring it up. Kuzma can handle. He's never had that. Right. From, from from day one in Cleveland, he was the point guard. When he got to Miami, Chalmers and Norris Cole were out there. Like, right. LeBron was the point guard. He went back to Cleveland. Kyrie was like a pseudo-shooting guard. So this is the first time in his life, high school, AAU, middle school, NBA, that he's not necessarily going to be the primary ball handler, and that's going to be a transition for him too. But once they figure it out, I think they'll be fine. Once they add a free agent next summer or whoever, then they're really going to be okay. So we all kind of knew that this first year is going to be a little rocky. Uh, It's just more about how LeBron's going to handle it because we know he has to be patient, and being patient isn't something he's not necessarily good at. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I I agree with with most of what you're saying. I think my thing was, you know, I had a lot of people, there were a lot of people out there saying that the Lakers were going to win 50 games. I don't see that. And, and, for part, part of the games is really hard to win. That's what in the way it's hard to do. And it's like you said, I mean, he, he had, he had slow starts at these other places and he had, like you said, he had all-stars and great players on the team. There's no question he was going to have a, a slow start with these guys. And I agree with you. I think he'll make the, I think the Lakers make the playoffs and they will be a better playoff team uh, than they are a regular season team. Cause they're going to just continue to get better and better because of, of all these young guys. So I agree with you. You mentioned, you mentioned Brandon, Ing- Brandon, Brandon Ingram, uh, you know, a guy you'd want to have your back on the court. What'd you think about that brawl, man? That was, that was uh, one of the better fights I've seen Listen, in years. Man, I, I, y'all know I'm a Duke fan. I've been telling y'all stop running up on him. He, he, he didn't show that at Duke. Because <laughs> hey, nobody ran up on him. <laughs> you, you, knew, you knew he was like they that? Knew not to. You knew he was like that? Brandon Ingram's from Brandon Ingram's from Kinston, North Carolina. Okay. Jerry Stackhouse is his godfather. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse that was is that, one of the top five OGs that's what in it NBA was. history. Like, come that's, on, man. That's y'all what it was. Brandon Ingram if y'all want to. That's what it was. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you, for that, thank you like, for that piece of information. I didn't realize that uh, Stackhouse yeah, was his godfather. Wow. Yeah, or his uncle. Like, was it uncle? Uncle like, godfather? What is it? I think like his godfather, uncle, one of them, but yeah. like, hey, they, from what I've been told, they get busy in Kingston, North Carolina. That's not what you want. Yeah. Um, but hey, look, Rondo and, and Paul have hated each other for a decade. Right. So. Right. Because they're like At the same person. Point, that was going to come to a head. They're like the same person. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Like, I wasn't surprised by it at all. It all made sense to me. Uh, 
but clearly Brandon Ingram was 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 ready to give the smoke to whoever he felt like should should take it. Whoever. And I was I saw people being mad at LeBron, but I was like, I mean, Chris Paul is boy. He's yeah. supposed to grab him. Exactly. Melo was out there. Like you had three members of the banana boat crew out there. <laughs> Nothing was going to get too escalated between Paul, Melo. And LeBron, like they were going to make sure nothing popped off too much. And and the best part of that whole moment was that Lance Stevens was a peacemaker. That's how that's how crazy 2018 is. Is that Lance Stevenson is a peacemaker in NBA fights. Hey, he showed love the Brooklyn way. You know what I'm saying? That's that's Lance Stevenson. Showed, exactly. showed his Brooklyn so. roots. You know, bring everybody together. Uh, but what about Rondo and the spitting and the games and the suspension? I thought I thought the suspension would be would be longer than they were. I thought Ingram, I mean, Ingram pushed, he started the fight, then he gets up in the, in the ref's face, you know, showing no remorse. Then he comes back and throws a haymaker. I thought, I was like, you got to give him like seven to 10 games, in my opinion. See, the thing with that was, I think that was Adam Silver being like, I'm not really tripping on fighting the way David Stern was. Mm. Um, mm. I, I think Silver watched and we have these ramifications and flashbacks of Malice in the Palace. Right. And we remember the J.R. Smith Mello fight at uh, Madison Square Garden and yeah. that all the games they got. Like in the past, like the NBA has given out too many games and suspensions for fighting. Uh, and I think that was just Silver being like, I'm not tripping on that. It, was, it wasn't that deep. It happened. Um, because the thing that was always funny to me was I knew some people that were hitting me up and being like, oh, like, people shouldn't be fighting like that. Like, th- this is a, like the same thing with the Reed and Malcolm Jenkins thing. And I was like, have you ever, like, played pickup basketball <laughs> and seen how many almost fights happen at every pickup basketball game? <laughs> like, I'm just always surprised that there aren't more fights in the NBA. Um this is because, like, you get competitive and you're going at God. So, especially if you're trash talking. So, hey, it was no harm, no foul to me. Like, three, four games, I was happy they didn't get longer suspensions. I was a little shocked like you that, that they weren't longer. Right. But I was happy that, that, that Silver didn't David Stern this. And, and, and they got in the double digits. Because I was like, look, man, they'll be all right. It's, it's, it's like, this isn't. This isn't Pistons Bulls from the late '80s, early '90s. This isn't old school Philly Boston. Like, right? This, this isn't this, this isn't that league anymore. Like, there'd be a little dust ups here and there, but like, nobody's gonna get knocked out. Right. So this right. ain't UFC. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. That, that, you know, people love to see that. All right. What about the rest of the NBA? You have any other thoughts? Uh, Kawhi and the Raptors are four and zero. They they both look impressive. Uh, you're in Atlanta. You got uh, Trey Young uh, shooting from anywhere. He put up a, yeah, put up a monster actually, night the other night. I will be there. I will be there Wednesday night um, for the, for their home opener against Dallas um, to see him in the flesh. Uh, I talked to him at practice about a week ago. Um, oh, and for all you people wondering, like Trey Young is legit, like six one. Like mm-hmm. he's not as scrawny as you think he is. Uh, like he is skinny. He's wiry. Um, but he's got he's got some like some definition to him. But he is a logistics one. Um, I've I've never been worried about Trey Young ever. Mm-hmm. I know he had that bad opening game in New York, um, but I really didn't pay that any attention. Um, him about you know first game one in Madison Square Garden. He had never played there before. But listen, Trey Young has been getting buckets uh, for years now, <laughs> and he will continue to get buckets for years. So I have no worries in him, but uh, it would be interesting to see him and the Luka Doncic going at it and see who gets the better of that in round one. Um, because it's always good to see, you know, r- rookies um, who we like to hype up right. saying who should have went there and who should have stayed there uh, face each other off in the season. But yeah, like, like I, Atlanta's young. Um, so we'll see what happens with them. I'm really, I'm not tripping over Boston. I think they have a lot to figure out, a lot to figure out. Um, that pecking order, once they finally get that down, is going to be interesting um, because the, the freedom that Brad Steven gives everybody on offense 
I think some of those freedoms are going to going to get taken away this season. Um, because if you just watch their games, and I know these two guys are leading them in field goal attempts, but I don't think they're leading by as much as they should be. Like that Boston's office got to got to be like Kyrie and Tatum, right? And then everybody else, <clears throat> you, you figure out where you fit in from there, right? Right. <clears throat> and like th- th- this old like let's get Horford going and Brown going and like nah, like Gordon Hayward's probably going to be like the third or fourth option on that team. Like this is the Kyrie and Jason Tatum show, and everyone else just seeing background and play defense. And they got they got like. But once they get that going, I think they'll be all right. Yeah, and they got eight or nine guys. That's the problem too. Like they got guys coming off the bench who who played, you know, big time playoff minutes and and were expected to do big things just last year. So it's definitely got to be a shock to the system. Yeah, like, but I think that's a that's a that's a great problem to have. No question. Like it reminds you of like a stacked college basketball team from the nineties or, <laughs> right. or like a, like a, like a Kentucky or a Duke right now where you've got all these guys, but you only have one ball and you got to figure out pecking order. And that's usually what happens early in the season. And you get close to February and March teams figuring out. And like Brad Stevens is too smart not to figure this out. And I think those guys, while they all did have good seasons last year and you know, everybody, signing shoe contracts and on, on magazine covers and all this, I think they all want to win more and they understand the team success and they know they have a cakewalk to the finals. Cause I'm not paying Toronto any attention. Um, but I think they understand that, Hey, uh, that they're all going to have some pretty defined roles in the next couple of months to, to, to get this ship in order. But I think once they figure it out and see how good they can be, once they figure it out, they're going to be like, okay, this is worth the sacrifice. Yeah, and uh, and Brad Stevens, you know, has a different type of challenge this year, so it'll be interesting. If anybody can do it, he probably can. Uh, you know, I definitely have confidence in Stevens to to figure stuff out. Like you said, what are we in three, four games into the season? I mean, we're not we're not even going to yeah, remember. That's I'm not sure. Yeah, we're, we're not even going to remember what happened. Like, yeah, like. You know? Yeah, like this, uh, in the, when Toronto beat Boston, I was like, but this, this is classic Toronto. Mm. How many years for the past four years did we see Toronto beat Boston early in the year? And we were like, this is the year Toronto and DeRozan and Lowry get past LeBron. And then they be in the playoffs and then they get swept. <laughs> that's a good, that's and I'm a good just point. like, look, man, there are so many questions with Toronto. I understand Kawhi Leonard is there, but I also understand that we've, my, my question mark with Kawhi Leonard is this. When have we ever seen Kawhi Leonard have to be the best player on a team? Because the Kawhi Leonard we know played for the best coach in the league. He played for the best franchise in the league. And he played with three Hall of Famers. Right. He walked in and got to play with Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker. Right. And when those guys got older, he got pushed to the forefront. But they were still there. That structure was there. You still had LaMarcus Aldridge and Pau Gasol. Now he's in Toronto, and it's like, you go be the guy. He didn't necessarily even have to be the guy at San Diego State. So this is a new role for him, and we already know he doesn't talk. So (laughs) this is going to be really interesting to see late in the season in the playoffs how good Toronto really is and how good Kawhi Leonard can be as just Kawhi Leonard in Kyle Lowry because we just always have known Kawhi Leonard to be in a really good situation with the best coach in the best franchise with some of the best players. Now you out there with Fred Van Fleet. Okay. Let's see how good you really are. Right. No, you're right. He has a lot to prove. And that's no disrespect to Fred Van Fleet. Yes. He's very solid. Very solid. Yeah. He has a a lot to prove. Like you said, Uh, so far, so good. He looks, he looks the part so far, but you know, it's very early, man. Um, to wrap to wrap this up, uh, Bills at the World Series in Boston. It's, it's uh, the Dodgers, uh, Boston World Series. Dodgers second time in a row there. You got any 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 thoughts on the World Series? Do you care? I'm just mad like Houston isn't back because Houston makes the World Series fun because all they do is hit home runs. <laughs> um, uh, but like. I probably with with Boston because this is what Boston teams do. I saw a list on Twitter the other day that listed like all the Boston professional championships the last fifteen to twenty years, 
and how it's just been like either the Patriots, the Bruins, the Red Sox, or the Celtics have won it. Every year, almost every year, I don't think it's been a two- or three-year span, Boston, has, as a city, hasn't won a championship. Wow. So since, since the Patriots came short last year, I'm pretty sure the Red Sox would just do this because that's just what Boston does, and the Patriots would probably be back in the Super Bowl because, I mean. Well, that's your squad, so. If they got to, if the, if the Kansas City, if Kansas City has to come to New England, then we see how that can go. Right. And it doesn't seem like Jacksonville is going to be a threat. So, no, no. Nope. Yes. Like the war of attrition. Who's going to be left? Patriots and who? KC. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm rooting for the Dodgers. Uh, I just can't root for, like, I only root for Boston if they're playing the Yankees. I'm a Yankee hater, but, um, I'm rooting for I'm rooting for the Dodgers, and you know this is the first World Series with two minority managers, so that's interesting, uh, and I guess I guess that's a good sign. Uh, what year is it? It's a two thousand. It's twenty eighteen, right? First, okay. Okay. first, yeah, yep. not just one. Thing. The yep. first, the first World Series with two minority managers. You're right. You're right. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. All right. That's a good point. So if anybody listeners like, oh, why don't you really care for baseball? That's that right there is why. I hear you. All right, bro. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. You coming on again. Um, you know, we gotta watch this this uh Jenkins and, and Reed and the and the coali- the players coalition see. We gotta figure out, you know, what's really going on with that. What 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 if any money has been No, we don't allocated? We, we, just, we just gotta have Panthers Eagles play in a in a wild card game. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. That'll work. That'll work. That's all we, that's all we need. We just need Pan, Pan, <laughs> Fantasy of the wild card game on a Saturday night, and we'll be good. We'll get all our answers then. I like that. I like that. All right, man. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, Karin Phillips, New York Daily News columnist. Check out all his work. He does a great job, uh, and, you know, he, he pulls no punches. So definitely check him out. Um, we'll be back on either hopefully next week. Uh, Bill will we'll talk about uh, the World Series and, and what's going on there. And uh, once again, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.